Well, good morning, everybody. Everybody doing good? Nice to see all of you. I hope that you had a great Thanksgiving. How many of you did not have a great Thanksgiving? (laughs) Anyone willing to admit? I had a great Thanksgiving, and it started Wednesday night instead of Thursday. Appreciate all of you in my Paisan corner over here. Good to see all of you. And some of that said that they were going to be here. Very surprised that they made it, but very happy, very content with that. Well, hey, this before I get started this morning, you know, kind of one of the things I like to do is maybe just tell a couple of jokes. How do you guys feel about that? Did you, you guys enjoyed my jokes so much last time that many of you handed me additional jokes to say, here, these are funnier. So I really appreciate that, but I wasn't listening when you spoke about that. So I still have my own jokes. That's just a, that part is just a joke. But I just wonder, you know, would somebody be willing to come up here and see if I could make you laugh? And I won't pick on too many people here because, you know, I don't know some of you that well. But I wonder, Savannah, would you be willing to come up here? Would you come up and see if I could make you laugh? Now, I did ask her two minutes before I came up, and she agreed. So would you greet Miss Savannah as she comes up? (laughs) Come on up. Just uh, maybe stand right here so they can get a good look at you. And you're just going to stand there, and if the joke is funny, you can, you can laugh, you can belly laugh, you can, you can smile, you can crack a smile, whatever you think, and if you don't like it, just, you're just going to stand there. You're cool, right? And you've you got, you got a pretty face, you're good, and you're always, she's always pretty happy anyway, you know? But let's see if she'll still be happy after this here today. All right, and then you guys get to partake in these too. If you think they're funny, feel free to laugh. It's all right. It's good to pipe in sunshine into church, so here we go. What do you call rain on Turkey Day? Foul weather. That's the direction we're going. All right, so some of you, you're happier in the back. All right. What side of the turkey has the most feathers? The outside. (laughs) This is going to be better than I thought. (laughs) Why was the turkey asked to join a band? Because he could bring his own drumsticks. (laughs) When are turkeys the most grateful? The day after Thanksgiving. Do you get it? It's because they didn't get eaten, so they're happy. Yeah. Small clarification. All right, here's a good one, especially for our younger kids, all right? So what Thanksgiving treat is the most popular at the kids' table? Cranberry sauce. Crans? You guys are a little slow this morning. We got to, like, step it up on the coffee or something, you know? <laughs> Cran. Cranberry sauce, yeah. It's funny that we got to clarify this. It's, that's, that's the really funny part. All right, let's keep it moving here. So why should you never tell secrets in a cornfield? Because the corn has ears. All right, what sound does a turkey's phone make? <laughs> Very close. Wing, wing. <laughs> All right, here's one more. Can you stomach one more? Not bad, all right, not bad. I will give you a not bad on that. All right, one more. 
What's one thing that you'll have in common with a teddy bear on Thanksgiving? You'll both be filled with stuffing. All right. Would you give Miss Savannah a big hand? (laughs) Get out of here. All right. Well, I just thought I'd lighten the mood there a little bit for you, and hopefully you could uh, enjoy that. And um, (laughs) you guys are awesome. Well, anyway, today I wanted to talk to you not just about Thanksgiving, but I wanted to talk to you about a term that I'm calling thanks living. Everybody look at your neighbor, turn to them and say, thanks living. It'll take on new meaning here this morning because when we're talking about Thanksgiving, it's not just a one time a year thing where we go to our friend's house and we break out the turkey and the yams and everything else that you have. But really, it's, it's, it's an attitude. So really, in that sense, think about the word gratitude. If you think about the word gratitude, the suffix of that word is the word what? Attitude. So G-R-A, gratitude is a great attitude. So it's really all part of one word. It's a great attitude. And, you know, I may not be who I was, but I'm thankful that I'm growing into who God wants me to be, right? I'm thankful I'm not where I was, but I'm grateful for where God is leading me. And so I have a couple scriptures today that I want to share with you, maybe a couple stories about that. Hopefully that will take on new meaning for you this morning. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, I want to start with that one. And it says this. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. Everyone say all. That one's just kind of the kicker right there. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And when you're saying you're giving thanks in all circumstances, you're putting your hand in a hand that's bigger than yours. You're putting your trust and your faith in someone that you don't necessarily know and you can't see and you can't feel, but your faith is in Jesus Christ and you're saying, God, I'm not sure through how all this we're going to get through all this and how we're going to do all this and how we're going to pay for all this, but somehow through it all, in all circumstances, I'm going to give thanks. And so the Bible tells us, This is God's will for you. Let's take a look at another one, Psalm 100. I love this one. It says, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. For we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. When you quote that scripture, you're knowing that he is God. What you are saying is that you're finally making Jesus Lord of your life. You're finally allowing him to get the credit because really he is the one that opened the doors for you. He is the one that gave you that job. He is the one that got you that house. He is the one that gave you that car. He is the one that has given you just those kids that you just love so much. And they never fight, and they never argue, and they definitely never slam doors. Am I the only one? So the issue here today is that focusing on God, when, when, you, when we quote, quote that scripture, you know, knowing that he is God, it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. It is him, and when you put your faith in him that way, you are truly making Jesus Lord over your life. And he says here, you know, come into my gates with praise and thanksgiving. So if he is the one, the gates are his. They are God's gates. And the person who 
owns the gates is the one that gets to open the gates. Does that make sense? And so he gives us the way to be able to do that. But what are we really grateful for? Well, grateful for what he has done for us. We're grateful for the, the fact that Jesus died for us, that he's given us the hope of eternal life. We're grateful for all that he's given us. And really, in the end, there's so much that he does, but it's all wrapped up in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm grateful that I'm not who I once was. I'm grateful that I'm not where I once was, but that I'm going somewhere and that God is constantly changing me and separating me. Do you remember that big, deep theological word called sanctification? Remember we talked about this a couple weeks back, and it really means just simply to be set apart, that every single one of us as believers in Jesus Christ, we are set apart from this world as God begins to change us and transform us from the inside out. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect for you. It doesn't mean that you're always going to walk a straight line and, and never get out of line. But the moment that we do, we have this, this thing called the Holy Spirit. He is there with us to help keep us in line. He's there with us to bring us back when we've gone too far. And there was a time in my life where I had suffered great loss. And I've uh, planted a couple of churches back in my past, and our first church plant, you know, it was really, it was great, and then it was just, it was the worst thing in the world because you, you treat it like one of your own children in that sense. It was like having your own, we had a great, a great time. We launched with 250 people, and it was great. And it's always great when large crowds of people come into the church, and it's exciting, and they, the attendance grows, and the kids' ministry grows, and the budget grows, and they're giving, and they're supporting the work. But when one of those members of that group gets disgruntled, I don't know if any of you guys know what I'm talking about. Then all of a sudden, the pastor is the worst thing in the world. You get spit on. You get stabbed in the back. And you go through the hardest times in your life because you endear yourselves to these people and you love them and you care for them and you pray for them and you serve them and you do everything that you can for them because they're there. They're in the church. They're part of the, the fold, if you will. You know, the Bible says you do, do well to know the state of your flocks, meaning a man of the people, right? Just to know the people, be a people person. And then all of a sudden, one person got disgruntled and another person blamed somebody else. And then there was division. And before long, I was trying to recoil back from and recover back from the loss of this, this church plant. And, and all of a sudden, try, after, after all of my finances had been siphoned out from me, and we went through our savings, and we went through everything that we had, was struggling, and, uh, and never told anybody other than the Lord. And talking about being grateful and being thankful. So we just, as I was looking for another job during that time, this was years ago, Never told anybody about our struggles, and all of a sudden somebody called me up on the phone. They said, hey, we'd, uh, we feel like the Lord has spoke to us and we want to meet. And I, you know, when you have nowhere else to look but up, you'll meet with anybody. And I was like, sure, come on over. And that night they came over and they said, we want to give you this, 
it was a check that they were given, and we were severely behind on our house and, and all kinds of other things with the business and everything else that was going on during that time. And that, that check was to the tune of the amount of over $20,000, and it was exactly the amount that we needed at that time. And how many know when, it, when you receive something like that, when you've told nobody else but God, there's no way that they would have known that, it's definitely time for Turkey Day. It's definitely time to, to break out the turkey and the yams and the mashed potatoes and all the pies. I mean, you know what I mean? So it's in those moments where you are so grateful and you're so thankful to God, but gratefulness is not just a one-time-a-year thing. It is, it's a verb, it's a statement, it's a noun, but it's an attitude. And what do we need to be grateful for? It's for what he has done for us. There's things that we're grateful for, the things that we know about, right? And we can be grateful for that. But there's also so much that we don't know about that the Lord has done for us that if we just keep remaining uh, thankful and grateful, it's an attitude that, that really breaks the sense of entitlement over our lives. And I think when I think about that, this Thanksgiving, when they dedicated the temple back in the Old Testament, they were sacrificing to the Lord, and it was those sacrifices through, through praise and thanksgiving, that is when the presence of God came down into the temple is when they were being grateful and thankful for who he is and what he's done. And, you know, thanksgiving, it produces a sense of humility on the inside of you. And there's a couple scriptures there talking about humility. First Peter 5, 6, and 7, you know, it says here, it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. He says, cast all your cares and your worries and your anxieties upon him because he cares about you. You ever thought about that? The Lord cares about the things that you care about. He cares about the things that you think about. He cares about the things that bring you anxiety and bring you worry. There's so many scriptures in the Bible about, you know, worry, trying to, the worry and the cares of this life, trying to steal the word of God from your life. But you know what? God cares about the things that you care about. And you might say, you know what? I've never stepped in church before at all, but this is the best message that I ever heard that someone could actually identify with the things that worry and the things that I'm concerned with. Well, I'm here to tell you today that the Lord loves you, and he cares about you, and he knows the things that trouble you. He knows the struggles that you have, and you might think that those are the the smallest little things and that those things wouldn't matter to anyone else, and they might not matter to anybody else, but they matter to God because they matter to you. And the reason why is you matter to him. And we're serving a God this morning that though he is the creator of the universe, made the sun and the moon and the stars and the sky and the sea, he cares about those little things that concern you. But he says, James 4.10, humble yourselves before God and he will lift you up. So that's really an attitude, if you will. Thanksgiving is an attitude. It's a great attitude. And there's a little scripture, another one. We'll go through about 347 of them this morning over the next three hours. Just making sure you're out there, people. You're a little quiet. But knowing this, this scripture here stood out to me, and it's Isaiah 118 uh, and verse 19 too. Take, uh, well, 118 through 20, but let's take a look quickly. It says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, 
you shall eat the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured. And the interesting thing here, this word willing and obedient, maybe we can just keep that up there for a minute because it speaks to me about a couple of different things. We could really spend a good couple of weeks or months talking about this. The obedience, of course, is the yes or no. Will you do this or won't you? So there's the sense of just simply being obedient. But how many know when if, if you guys have kids or you had kids and you told them to take out the garbage or go pull weeds, maybe they did it, but maybe they did it with a bad attitude. And it was almost just as bad as them not doing it. Or you could have just said, you know what, I'll do it myself. I don't need the attitude. The willingness speaks about a good attitude. And the obedience is just, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not happy about doing it. And the issue here is that I think that in thanksgiving and the sense of gratefulness, this attitude that we can have, it'll break the sense of entitlement that says, hey, I deserve this, I earned this, I did this, I don't need to thank anybody else, and I'm definitely not thanking God, I did this for myself. But when you create a sense of gratefulness and thankfulness toward the Lord, you're saying, you're knowing that he is God, and it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. I don't care if you have a, a, a bank book that is, that, is, that is taller than the tallest skyscrapers or that you have done the greatest things in the world. My friend, even if you have, it is only because of God's grace that he gifted you with that. He gave you the knowledge of those witty inventions. He gave you the ability to move that money. He gave you the ability to do that job. I'm telling you, when you stand back and say, God, everything I have is as a result of what you've given to me, then in that moment, what that does is it allows God to open the gates over your life so that you can continue to be a blessing, and not just for yourself, but for your friends and family around you. Does that make sense this morning? Dan, you're doing a great job. I'm proud of you. So it breaks the sense of entitlement. Also, Thanksgiving, it remembers what God has done for you. I think about King David before he was king. He was long anointed king, long before he actually physically became king. And so if you know your Bibles, there was this thing going on between King Saul and David. And Saul knew that David was anointed to be king, but Saul was jealous of David. But David, if you remember, he was the slingshot boy. Remember him? And the one little stone went into the sling, and the, you want me to sing it? And this, no, I won't do that to you today. But what I do know is that when you begin to remember what God has done, he, Saul tried to give David his armor. And he said, Saul, I can't wear this stuff. It doesn't fit me. It's not good enough for me. It's too big. I'm not that tall. Because we knew that the Bible told us that Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else. So that gives me hope as not the tallest guy in the room that God might still use just a wee little man. I'm just going to have fun. You can do whatever you want. But when David stood in front of Saul, he said, look, Saul, it's not because of all these things. It is the same God that delivered me from the hand of the lion, and it is the same God that delivered me from the hand of the bear, and it is the same God that shall deliver me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. David knew what God would do because he was thankful over what God had done. So revisiting, rehearsing, and, 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 and remembering past victories helps build your faith in God. Does that make sense to you this morning? So when you begin to thank God for what he's done, you can begin to believe that God is actually going to get you through 
all circumstances that are laid out before you because you knew what God did before and God will do it again for you. Now, we know that when God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, he never spoke to Moses again at the burning bush, did he? But he spoke to Moses again. He spoke to him at the Red Sea and he spoke to him on the mountain. And it's the same for you. You know what God will do because you are thankful about what God had done. So when you begin to re revisit and rehearse the things that God has done for you before, it puts you in a place of humility, of humility, but it also puts you into a place of strength where God then can continue to open the gates over your life to help you in your life and get you from point A. A to point B. And I'm telling you, my friends, for those of you, you look back over your life and you look back at where you started and you look, look at where you're at today, you could only say, it's by God's grace that I'm here today. And you say, you know what? God did this for us way back over here. And God delivered us from this way back over here. Even when I was a sinner, even when I didn't go to church, even when I didn't believe in God, and even when I didn't do all these things, look at the hand of God's protection. Look at what God had done for me. When you begin to rehearse and remember and be thankful and be grateful with a great attitude, if you are willing and obedient, Isaiah 1.18 says, you will eat the good of the land. And that's what God is trying to get to you, is get to you to be a blessing. And I'm not just talking about your bank book, but if you are willing and obedient to say, God, I will do it. I tell you what I hate, it's Apple Pay. And for those of you that know what Apple Pay is, I can open up my text messages. And I'm not going to call anybody out here this morning. Hey, Dad, I need five bucks. Hey, Dad, I need $10 more. Dad, can I get 20 bucks? Dad, can I do this? Dad, can I do that? Dad, can you just send me money? So if you don't know what Apple Pay is, when you open up your text messages, at least I'm, I'm, I'm an iPhone guy, an Apple guy, I always have been. I don't mean any disrespect to our Android, Google friends, or whatever. I just don't know how it works. It might even be a better, a better product. I don't know. But all I know is what I know. And so on my text messages with Apple Pay, there's just a little black apple all right, underneath my text. And I can click that like I'm sending a text message to anybody else. And I can send them any amount of money I want. And I have this cute little girl in my house, beautiful 12-year-old little brown-eyed girl. And she'll, sometimes she'll just request a certain amount of money. And there, they could be little amounts, but I like to use that as leverage to get a few things done. So that's fine, and it's, it's like an allowance, if you will, and you do this, and I'll help you with that, and we keep a good attitude here, and we can do this over here. Well, one day, a request comes in for just randomly $1,000. So it says, Nina requested $1,000. And in the hopes that I just wasn't looking, and I was busy, and I was doing my day and running around, I just click accept, and poof, $1,000 could be in her account at her disposal in a moment. I don't like Apple Pay. It is, there is no, <laughs> there is a sense of entitlement there without any reckoning. I just, I don't like it because at that moment, that money is just, it's just shared and given. It's not earned. And sometimes in our lives, we have this sense of entitlement that we just want because we are. And friends, sometimes the Lord needs to break that in us to know that he is and that he has made us and not we ourselves. The act of being thankful and grateful is, is really the acknowledgement 
of benefits that God has given us. It's really to show appreciation for who God is and what he's done for us. And so the issue there about Apple Pay, it just doesn't render sometimes the thankful spirit. And I constantly are trying to teach. Now my kids, you know, a lot of them are older and they're good kids and I'm proud of them and they're, they're all here today. Glad to see all of them and I appreciate them. But you know, when the kids are young, if somebody gives you something, you say thank you, right? You, if someone does something nice for you, just thank you. You know, it's, it's like when you're in a fight. Sometimes sorry, just, it just makes it all better. You know what I mean? So you, you say thankful. You say, Dan, you're talking to adults. I get it. Sure, for sure. All right, okay, let's go a little bit step further because what I don't like is when someone says, well, we never get to do this or I'll never have that or all I've ever had is this or it's never enough. I run as far away from those statements like a plague. I cannot stand that. But here's the, here's the worst one of it all, that sense of entitlement that needs to be broken in so many people is this, when somebody, maybe they drive by in that Mercedes G-Wagon or that car that's better than yours or that house that's, that maybe you wanted and you couldn't get or whatever, but one of your friends or someone that you know or even worse yet, someone you don't know, we say this, oh, must be nice. Anyone want to confess this morning? Must be nice. Really, And so the issue here with that is really we, we can't really judge people based on what you see or what they have. Who cares about any of that? You've not walked in your shoes. You don't know the trouble that they've had to get to where they're at. And who's comparing anyway? And I think the, 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 the sense of being grateful and thankful comes with an attitude and a heart that, that loves the Lord and acknowledges what the Lord has done for you. You don't know what the Lord has done for others. You don't know the challenges and the struggles of others. But what we do know is that thankfulness is a huge key, listen to this, to the gates opening over your life. Maybe for some of you, you say, Dan, you know what, we've heard messages like this forever and that's nice. Are you almost done? Because there's going to be a few football games on, and we'd like to go home and check those out. Of which, did you watch some football last night? We won't discuss that. All right. So, for instance, when, when my kids were younger, and I tell them, hey, it's garbage day. Talking about being willing and obedient. Remember that scripture there? And garbage comes every, you know, for us, it, we, we get it twice a week, all right? We get it on Tuesday. I don't know about if the same for you here in, uh, in Boca, but we get it twice a week on, on Tuesday and on Friday, and Friday is our bulk day, so you can still do your garbage on Tuesday and Friday, but if you want to, th- I'm telling you what, they'll take refrigerators, they'll take an oven, you throw your whole house out there, those guys are taking it, and I had this day where I threw out, I had to, it was my old lazy boy chair. Does anyone have at least one piece of furniture in your house that it's somewhat nostalgic. I mean, I, I'm not a hoarder. I'll throw stuff out all day. But this chair was in my family. My dad bought this. It was a brown, ugly brown, lazy boy chair. Most comfortable chair that you will ever have in your entire life. And my dad used to sit in that chair. And when I finally grew up and got a little bit older, he said, Dan, do you want the chair? I was like, I thought God was giving me a throne of gold. I bowed in worship and kneeled at the chair, and I had the chair, and we, we had that chair forever. I mean, I, I just turned, you know, 22 years old the other day, so I've had that chair a long time, 
And all of a sudden, one day, the back of that lazy boy, it broke. So I was like, I can fix that. Take a drywall screw and put that right through the side. And that started the next 10 years of the longevity of the life of that chair. And then all of a sudden, we'd go another year. And I'd be sitting in that chair for another year. And then it would break again. Took another screw. Three and a half inch screw, though. You really need the depth there. And I put another screw in. I'm telling you, I don't know how old that chair was. 50 years old? It had to be. It had to be 50. It had to be at least 50. By the end of that chair, by the end of the life of that chair, there must have been 10, 12 screws aside. There, there was holes in the two-by-four inside of the guts of that chair. There was nowhere else for me to nail to. Do you understand? I, I couldn't piece the thing together anymore. And it was actually during COVID that I had to dispose of my chair. And I had to take it out. I have a video of it. I, I should post that for you. I know maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. But it was during COVID, and it was bulk Friday. And I, had, I ordered a chair on Amazon, and it just does not stand up to the quality of what I had. I couldn't sit in it ahead of time, but I needed a chair. And I threw this chair out, and the garbage guys came and got it. I have the whole thing on video. And they came, and those guys, they, they didn't care about that chair. There was nothing in it for them. They got no skin in the game. I probably had skin all over that chair. <laughs> and they took that thing, and, you know, on a lazy boy, I don't know if you know this or not, but it comes in two pieces, right? The back pops out, so you have the, the back and the base. And he just took that thing, and he threw it in there and threw the base in there. I'm like, oh, man, he's just treating this thing so disrespectfully. And that garbage truck came down and it grabbed that chair and just it ate it right up within seconds. But you know, I was so grateful for that chair for 50 years. That chair was amazing, but it's what it meant to me. And you say, Dan, why are we talking about the chair? I have no idea. But there's things that we cherish in our life that you're so grateful for. And those you you, me, the, that chair to me is like how we are to the Lord. He cherishes you so much. He cares about you so much. He's simply looking for a people that are willing and obedient. Don't just go get the garbage and stamp your feet around the house and slam the doors and throw the garbage cans in everybody's bedroom and leave it all over the place. No, man, you got to reach back there going to have to get that Q-tip that's sitting back there. You wash your hands after it. Get the garbage and do it with a smile. Everybody, I, everybody smile at me. Give me a nice smile. You'd be surprised what I see from this angle. The, the faces. So if you're willing, come on, my paisans in the back, right? Smile. Nothing but a smile in that corner, right? Beautiful. So the issue here today is are we willing and are we obedient? It's one thing just to do what God wants us to do. It's another thing to do it with a great attitude to keep the gates open over your life. I've been going 26 minutes, and I'm going to close here in just a minute, which means to me absolutely nothing. But what I want you to know here today is that God loves your willing heart when you say, if my kid, you want Apple Pay? Here, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you a secret. Dad, I want to thank you so much. You gave me money for that 
that Snapchat thing for $2.96. And dad, you gave me $10 to go over here with my friend Mia. And dad, you gave me $5 to go to the, the Five Below store. And dad, I just want to thank you. You've given me all this. But dad, we're going over here today. Would it be possible and could you find it in the goodness of your heart? Could we go do this, this, and that? Oh, well, that's one way. That's a secret for those that might be listening is to remember what God has done for you in the past to receive what God may want to do for you in the future. I'll tell you this last story, and then I'll be, I'm not done, but I'll quit. How about that? Luke 17, I'm only going to reference that for you today, but it's the story of the, the ten lepers. If you remember, Jesus is is passing through. He's not looking to stay. He's not looking to set up shop. He's looking to pass through Samaria and Galilee. And all of a sudden, 10 lepers, the Bible says, stood afar off from Jesus. They wouldn't even come close to him. And all of a sudden, Jesus sees them, and he says, go show yourself to the priest. You're healed. They don't even come close to him. They're afraid to come to Jesus. And Jesus, is he's going in a different direction. But he sees them afar off, and they call out to him. And he says, hey, go show yourself to the priest. You're healed. Doesn't even touch them. If you know anything about leprosy, in short, it's like a cancer on your skin. And they were not allowed to come by their families. They were not allowed to live with their families. They lived in their own little gated community, like a little, like a little zombie villa. You know, they, they couldn't come by anybody. They weren't around, allowed to come next to anyone. You weren't allowed to go see them. And you definitely weren't allowed to touch them. It was a curse for you to touch someone with leprosy. And Jesus, he, he wasn't even going that direction. He was going somewhere else. Friends, this is going to take on a new meaning here today. Because he says to them, they, they called out to him, and he says, hey, go show yourself to the priest, you're healed. All ten of them, there were ten lepers. And as they turned in faith to go to the priest, they still had the leprosy for a second. But I don't know when the transformation took place and when the healing, the healing took place. I know at the moment Jesus said it. But as they went to go show themselves to the priest, the Bible tells you in Luke chapter 17, 11 to 19, that they were healed. Every single one of them. Now, I don't know about you, but if you had boils all over your skin and you had any type of disease like that and you turned, turned around to go do what Jesus said to do with a, I mean, you know, you're probably going to be pretty willing and obedient if you want to get rid of the cancer and the sickness and the disease. All he said was, go show yourself to the priest. And the moment that they turned to do that, the Bible says that they were healed. And all ten of them continued to go on their way, probably running and leaping and praising God. But only one of them returned back to give Jesus thanks. And though that they were far from God, Jesus invited them to come close. And friends, what I want to tell you here today is that Jesus is inviting you to come close. Because friends, I was that leper. You were that leper. We were all far from God. We were all in our gated communities away from God with that fence and the code that you need to put in. We were all far away from Jesus, but when Jesus came by, you know, the Bible tells us that 2,000 years ago that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And to as many as would receive him, to them he would make them become the sons and daughters of God. And friends, today, if you could see yourselves in this story in Luke chapter 17, 
That once we were not the people of God, once we never had any help and we didn't have hope, we didn't have the hope of the cross of Jesus Christ to be forgiven of our sins, we were that same group of people. Because he turns and he says to that man, he said, hey, hey, yo, there was, uh, there was 10 of y'all. He goes, only one of you and only this foreigner. He calls him a foreigner. This foreigner turns to come back and give me praise. He says, hey, I don't, I don't know about those other guys, but I am so grateful. Jesus, thank you so much. And what I want to tell you today is that we are now the people of God because he called us in. He invited us in. He allowed us to draw close to him, not just by coming to church, but by being accepted in him. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you were invited close into a personal relationship with God that every sin that you had ever committed, like a cancer, was wiped away from you. The chalkboard has been wiped clean. And it stays clean, my friend, because the Holy Spirit then comes and lives on the inside of your heart. And the moment that you step out of line or you say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing, Holy Spirit is there to say, hey, let's make this right. And in those moments, you can say, God, forgive me. God, I did this. I take responsibility. I break the sense of entitlement over me, and I'm going to do it with a great attitude. Why? Because you died on the cross for my sins. You rose again from the dead. It cost me nothing, and it cost you everything. And the Bible says that God took the worst parts of us and put it on Jesus, and he gave us the best parts of Jesus and put it on us as a robe of righteousness. That's what we have today. And friends, I want to tell you today in this story in Luke 17 that if you begin to live, not just with thanksgiving one time a year, but thanks living. Say that again with me, thanks living. When you have that great attitude to remind yourself of what Jesus has done for you, you're, making, you're, you're keeping Jesus on the throne of your life. You're keeping Jesus as Lord over your life. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. I want to pray for you this morning. I hope this was all right for you. Would you stand with me? And I just want to give you an opportunity right now. If there's anyone in this room, it's just kind of my, it's just what I do. But I want to make sure that everyone's had an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So if you bow your head with me, every single one of us, I really just, uh, I love you guys and I enjoy who you are as people, as individuals, and corporately as a church. But I'd be a fool not to throw out the net in this way to at least allow you to start the conversation with God in accepting him into your heart. And I just will wonder if you're willing this morning to pray this prayer with me out loud and together. I'm not going to embarrass anyone. I'm not going to call anybody up and make anybody laugh or cry. But what I do want is for you to really believe in your heart this morning. Bow your head, close your eyes, pray this prayer out loud with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead to give me a brand new life. Teach me to live for you as you show me how with a great attitude, with thanks living. In Jesus' name, amen.